namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa udang dhammang sankhang namasami So if you're following the line of the Satipatthana teachings, which there are many versions, one thing they all have in common is there's four establishments, four places where, or four areas, four themes <laughs> uh, that mindfulness should supervise. Um, body, feeling, citta, and dhammas. So jitta was explaining the other day when you review how it's how it's presented, something that can be affected by greed or hatred. So it's you could say it's uh, sensitive to these powerful ethical and energetic forces that sweep in, often often associated with sense contact, but also associated with mental contact, what one's mind fashions and imagines. In this way the, the mind can just spin around, getting agitated about its agitations, <laughs> and endlessly chasing itself. And so the development then moves on to such qualities as the, um, where the mind is uh, distracted, scattered or composed. So we're looking much more, not so much at uh, these effects, but these particular specific effects where the mind overall is feeling congested or compressed, scattered or broken up. So we're looking much more at the mind as like a body, you know, it's called a fine material form. And this this area which People often assume as either mind is one thing, immaterial, and matter another thing. But in Buddha Dhamma you have a middle, which is the fine material, which is this sort of energetic quality that's there in citta, which citta, as experience, has having a kind of subtle form, such as when we're hard-hearted or soft-hearted, expensive or frightened and contracted. And this is a very reliable reference because the mind is quite capable of self-deceiving ourselves, self-deception. That's why it gets caught in its own cravings and machinations. It don't really recognize what it's doing. You know, how, how agitated or how stiffened or how ponderous and sluggish and it kind of bogged down it's getting. And the more it continually agitates, the worse it gets. So it's just coming out to something, development to surveying the overall quality. And then it's, in another series, is it uplifted or exalted? It means it's got a certain, it can move in terms of a brighter, more subtle tone. It doesn't have just to be chuntering along in thoughts or swinging here and there in powerful surges of feeling. It can be something that has an uplifted, exalted quality or not something more refined, so it has a tonal quality to it. 
and uh, liberated or unliberated. Mm. Different ways. That's a transcendent, something to step out of this whole of cause and effect process to a greater or lesser degree. So this is the potentials of citta. And Tathagata dwells with a citta unrestricted, unbounded, measureless. Hmm. Knowing the cessation of these phenomena. And this experience or this level of course is you know, barely touched in by a multitude of people and even difficult to define, but measureless, um, uh, brightened, unbound down, unrestricted, not caught in any forms or perceptions or feelings. So there's a progress in that. And in the course of this, say the uh, chitta sometimes is likened to metaphors that used for it, like an elephant, a wild elephant, that first was crazed, crashing around, destructive, dangerous, the most dangerous creature in the jungle, the wild elephant, much more dangerous than the tigers, violent, destructive. And how, uh, through careful attending to this, so the image is used of a taking a tame jitta into the jungle. So this is a, when it says in the suttas, uh, one establishes virtue, uh, gets one's view straight. This is an aspect of the jitta which is uh, tamed. It understands ethics, it understands cause and effect, it's willing to be restrained. This is attained. And both these aspects are present, or potentially present. And our encouragement is definitely to acknowledge this and to give more attention, more energy to the, to the trained, the tamed, the virtuous citta. Begin with Satipatthana, it says, putting aside covetousness and grief with regard to the world. The anguish and the craving. Set virtues, uh, establish virtue and set one's view straight, this expression. Yeah, so you start getting that, you know, there is this possibility. And then that's taken out into the jungle because the tame jitter is of the same family as the untamed jitter. It's another elephant. And it gradually coaxes with a good tame jitter, the good qualities, uh, which are in the same place as the bad qualities, draws the, the wild jitter in and gradually soothes it, calms it, steadies it. This is a very nice image. Uh, and then the, the jitter then acquires the full strength of the elephant. It's still there, it's not crippled, you haven't cut its legs off to tame it. <laughs> but actually tamed it with uh, ethics and virtue and kindness and repeated careful attention and then it has this tremendous then it's powerful the power the king's elephant and it can repel weapons uh, violence uh, reliable steady and he said nothing can do as much good 
as a tamed jitta. Not an amputated jitta, nor a suppressed jitta, but a trained jitta. Therefore one should train. And look out for the signs of when it is becoming more steady, more comfortable. Mm. Now, the... Um, yeah, and so then this is where the dhammas come in. Always praise dhammas, and what are dhammas? Well, an expression, a very um, phenomena, is it rather? What's that, you know? What's that anyway? An expression in the Anguttara says all dhammas converge on feeling, headed by concentration. Mindfulness exercises authority and supervises them, exercises authority over them. Wisdom, right? they deliver wisdom and uh, they culminate in a deathless and terminate in Nibbana. Hmm. So, we might say, we say concentration, it means you recognise with feeling what, what you feel, your mind immediately is held by. So it's not samar samadhi, it's a kind of a sense that your mind gets riveted to where the feeling is. Uh, And this then is that this is a dhamma, it means something that's really getting into you. So this isn't just an abstract uh, analysis of the material world, but your world. You could say, in the world of what moves you, what touches your jitta is a dhamma. However, then you see, they are, this is the dhamma of anxiety or joy, happiness or unhappiness, craving or dispassion, these are dhammas. And essentially, in these, uh, this analysis of dhammas, it tends to separate the skillful ones and the unskillful ones. They're the ones that draw attention to them. It gets a kind of helpless samadhi, you could say. <laughs> and then mindfulness is the, is the quality that exercises authority, supervises them. So wait a minute, it begins to, then wisdom begins to discern. This we put aside, then true wisdom arises from this place where one is touched and moved if it's handled carefully. And uh, so this is then a process of skillful handling, like taming a wild creature. Now actually in this analysis of Dhammas, we can see there's also a textual progression in the early Satipatthana teachings, which you find in the Sanyutta which are all centered in places like Vesali and Sabati, definitely where the Buddhas lived. Later teachings, well, rather the Satipatthana, Mahasatipatthana, located somewhere near Delhi, which wasn't where the Buddha lived. So we can either imagine this gathering together of this material uh, took place either towards the end of the Buddha's life or slightly after it, and maybe these people in this area put this together. And the signs are, because the radical differences in the, in the Sanyuta, it's a patchwork, 
bits and pieces of this and that. Very a bit more earthy. You've got analogies, you've got incidents, and it's, it's a patchy teaching, and it, it builds up a quilt where you can look at our influence through different aspects. And uh, Majima and Diga versions, you have something like a compendium. Uh, much more polished, much more redacted, edited, and um, com- a compendium, like a teaching digest. This is what you should look at. So it's a somewhat later development, uh, in line with the development of the Pali lineages, which added a tremendous amount of stuff to this category of Dhammas. It became their hallmark, the analysis of Dhammas, the Abhidhamma, uh, was the hallmark of that particular lineage. And so the, the Majima mentions several, uh, the enlightenment factors and the Gandhas and the hindrances and so forth, and the Mahasatipatthana, which is clearly a, a further uh, ramification of the, of the Satipatthana because it's expressed as being delivered in exactly the same place. You can't imagine the Buddha and given two word-for-word um, discourses in the same place with the second one he had in all his section of the Eightfold Path so clearly this is a they edited it and packed this together to build up this very complete uh, survey of the Buddha's teaching uh, for people to use um, so this is clearly much more edi- edited editorial process and um, adds much more to the Dhammas if you look in uh, Sanskrit recensions, again, very, only two kinds, there's awakening factors and hindrances. So we can say this is really the pivot. You know? And so these can be directly sensed. They're not just topics for analysis, although that has its value. These are directly felt as affecting the citta. Uh, the hindrances, we recognize, your will, craving, sense, desire. This is said to be, you know, uh, images of a pond, turbulent water curdling and boiling, uh, ponds, you know, corrupted, stinking with algae on it, um, covered with weeds. These are analyses for the hindrances. Something that is innately, could be quite bright and pure, is muddied over and, and boiling and turbulent. The untamed chitta are affected by the hindrances and this, so this is both directly can be understood directly witnessed by if you like the temperament the temper the constriction, the contraction um, whether one's jitta is, is uh, contracted uh, rather than expansive, whether one's jitta is turbulent rather than steady whether one's jitta is uh, exalted, bright refined or coarse and lumbering uh, and whether it's liberated or not so looking directly into that Um, and then the awakening factors these are the seven factors mindfulness investigation energy, rapture calming collected samadhi samar samadhi and equanimity these also directly Experience There's qualities that have a clarifying, brightening, liberating effect directly 
experienced. And as it's said, you know, one looks in and, and the, it's quite a flexible uh, approach because you have to, like the Taming Elephant, you don't go and read it a book. Or you, you have to first of all make friends with it and check out how, what way you'll best make it work. So it's a negotiation with the citta, uh, with saying not to, to, to bring it into its finest, noblest qualities. Um, so then one is called upon to either review is one's mental attitude straight in accordance with virtuous, uh, noble qualities? Um, is it endowed with right view? Uh, one view straight? Uh, or is it manipulative, repressive, confused, indulgent? So we clarify and begin and considering these things. Which the thinking mind acts like the elephant trainer. The elephant trainer himself doesn't have the strength of an elephant, but it can guide. So you, you ponder, you think, how is this? How is that? Dhamma Vijaya, how is this? How is that? How does this feel? How does that feel? Check this out. Mm. And if, the, uh, if it's really just not working, then you change you know, meditation theme to something whereby the mind is set up straight again, where the jitter is brightened in temporarily. You walk, you open your eyes, you recite, you re- recollect, you bring up images of goodwill or faith or compassion and so forth that arouse the noble qualities of citta, the bright qualities of citta. This is by no means a set piece uh, meditation technique. This is a, a process of negotiation and, and, and almost communication. Right? How is this going? Jitta's not happy. Uh-oh, what do I need to do? How do you respond to that? And you've got a whole range of possibilities. But essentially, the process is one which is clearly designated through all the teachings. Is you know, it's sensuality. Then you go through these body parts, and you begin to review the unattractiveness of the body if it's associated with sensuality, uh, and so on. Um, uh, is it all will? Clearly the remedy has to be one cultivates a mind of goodwill. Uh, patient acceptance, welcoming, loving kindness towards oneself. Imagining that, bringing, making much of it. A mind that's bent on compassion, um, gladness, appreciation, making much of that. Mm. Till there is a sign settling. And it says then the mind is settled. When the mind is happy, the body settles. This is expressed when the body is settled and comfortable, the mind feels happy. When it's happy, it is concentrated. And then, then one's aim is, it says then it says, well, then your aim is you've achieved what you needed to do. And now you can just, you don't have to keep training the thing or you don't, the elephant trainer doesn't have to be so full on. You step back and notice the mind is bright and doesn't need to be directed. It's gained its own feet. 
it's standing up now. And then it can be skillfully directed towards higher liberations. So this process, taming, and clearly there's, a, there's an analytical reflection there, but in line with this actual process of itakavichara, of pointing something and then receiving, evaluating results, a very nice sutta on the cook, which is one of the Satipatthana discourses. It gives two images of the foolish, incompetent cook who presents a king or a royal minister with various kinds of curries, sour, bitter, pungent, sweet, sharp, mild, salty and bland. And this foolish, incompetent, unskillful cook doesn't pick up the sign of his own master's preference. He doesn't see, in other words, he doesn't see what the king actually enjoys. Not noticing what the king enjoys, he serves in the same dish the next day. The king didn't like that like yesterday's one, he doesn't like this one either. <laughs> Cook doesn't notice this and keeps serving up the same old thing. Uh, and the king still doesn't enjoy it, eventually the cook gets the sack. <laughs> This is like an elephant trainer who doesn't really understand elephants. <laughs> hasn't listened to the elephant, hasn't noticed where it feels calmer or more gladdened. Just keeps bashing away the same old system or technique because it's, it's on the menu, get it down. Whether you like it or not, get it down. <laughs> and he says, it was interesting enough, he says, you know, even though this foolish incompetent bhikkhu dwells contemplating body in body so he does all the right things according to the book um, still he's, he's doing it but he's doing it really but his corruptions are not abandoned he does not pick up the sign of his mind he doesn't listen sign now the word sign nimita is uh, Associated with like a reflection on the jitter's own resonance. And is uh, essentially uh, greed is a nimitta, uh, craving is a nimitta, uh, aversion is a nimitta. You feel the boiling, pick up that sign. And of course, uh, nimittas can be associated with brightness and sign of ease and steadiness. And much can be made of those. But essentially, there's, there's a feedback that you're looking for when the mind is settled or comfortable. If it's not, then you have to try another dish. So then the wise, competent cook presents his kings with uh, various kinds of curry, same as before, but he does notice whether the chitta, his master, is pleased or not. What he's pleased with, he gives him more of. He notices he likes that, so I'll give him more of that. So then, um, the case of the cook, because of that, he gets various bonuses, clothing, wages, bonuses. He gets a promotion because he picks up the sign. So similarly, uh, one who picks up the sign of their own mind, the mind rewards them with uh, pleasure, happiness, ease. Mm. settledness, wisdom, 
So these are it's a way, this is a, a simple analysis of dhammas. <laughs> you know, we begin to look at what the citta is presenting. It's presenting hindrances and struggles or brightness. It's quite a simple analysis. And then these are, but then, to bear in mind, these are not uh, things you poke into the mind, or but the thing the mind gives back. Chitta gives back. If you listen to it carefully, you handle it carefully. So you don't read it, lists of these things, and tell it to come up with them. So much as by wisely handling the citta, its fevers and passions subside, and its brighter side comes up. And then one lingers in that, makes much of that. Therefore the process of uh, discernment, uh, wise, skillful thought, like the wise cook, puts something there, steps back, takes his eye off the menu, looks straight into the jitta, takes note, how is this? Mm. Maybe try it again, how is this? Mm. That's the bit that works, that bit, make much of that, develop that. How does it work? What is it? What is it making work means? It means the citta moves from, you know, bogged down in sensuality into being dispassionate, from being narrow and contracted and tight into being something that has a certain uncontracted state to it, to being tonally dull, lumbering, confused, into being something that's bright, exalted, uplifted. Distracted and scattered, composed and steady. Bound, bound up, liberated. Now you're just noticing those are the signs. Those are the signs. Those are the signs. To look out for anything in that. And because of the nature of citta, yeah, as we sense it rather like a, a creature, or here it's a king, so it's definitely be highly regarded and one is not the boss of it, one is the trainer of it but essentially the king or the elephant is much more powerful than the cook or the trainer is that the jitta is responsive it's it's not stupid it's deluded crazed but it's not bereft of intelligence and so one responds to that and addresses that in an intelligent sensitive way and this way you guide so naturally meditation systems are various and I think that's the way they should be because different strokes work for different folks. Different timing, different applications. But the essential aim is the applications that lead away from the ignoble state to the noble state. 
and that's something one can only directly know in terms of one's own citta because it's coming from, he's come from the citta and citta wherever else it is it's extremely subjective uh, it's very much bound up with a sense of self with a sense of this is where I am it's very much bound up with karma its own the habits that have been induced into it either voluntarily or involuntarily with the perceptions that it's learnt however confused or deluded or tainted they are so it's right in the middle of that and these are different for different people and yet the fundamental thing if you like is responsiveness and understanding and recognizing sometimes nichita is really out of it it's it's crazed and you need to exercise restraint but it doesn't mean it's always crazed uh, and so you, you're bringing out the noble qualities uh, which dispel harshness and cruelty towards oneself and others indifference and callousness these different forms of ill will mm-hmm. ambition the sense is I've also ambition for power, status aggrandizement indulgence, gratification always coming under this heading of the sense desire ill will, guilt, regret, fear feeling unwelcome negativity applied towards oneself must be dispelled because this cramps and congests the citta how do you dispel that? you attend give attention to signs, memories, perceptions, images they give you an opposite message and how do you know that's working? because you you sense that citta and you sense its body you sense its body becoming more less contracted and you can even feel this in your own embodiment I mean, your own bodily intelligence brightens up uh, because these two are sympathetic I think this is a very useful uh, reference point personally speaking because clearly as it said it's all established through body and whatever else the uh, However, teachings diverge, they always say, you know, you begin body, walking, sitting, standing, reclining, in there. And in there, as it said, in this is the cosmos, the world. And you don't get to the end of suffering until you get to the end of the world. The end of the world, the beginning of the world, the end of the world, and the path are within this fathom-long body with its um, perceptions and mind. So within this, or associated with this, so through this, we cultivate. It's kind of broad, and yet it's also pretty precise. 
get to the point. Uh, be someone who is keen on a sympathetic, careful training, who respects the chitta, who understands the nature of karma, whose view is straight, who understands with right view these are effects that lead onwards to a miserable abiding. The right view, you recognize well, you know, forget about imaginations, what one could be or should be, or the past or the future, self and other. Recognize if your chitta right now is disturbed and agitated, those are the causes and conditions that will give rise to disturbed and agitated future. How could it be any other way? Because the future is really the continuation of the present stream. So there's no avoiding this through shifting around in terms of space or time. What kind of positive state can arise based upon a negative state. If one's present condition is, is gloomy and depressed, <laughs> following that you'll have a gloomy and depressed future. <laughs> so this kind of sense of just blindly following, not responding, is to be curtailed. We don't just sit there now Maya, waiting for it to go away. Why should it go away? It's happened. It's fairly, very nicely embedded. Thank you. And that's where it's going to take us. The sangsara is difficult. The Buddha said the bog of passions, like a sticky swamp. It doesn't let go. It's not. It's not supposed to. It's. It's, it's a heavy encumbrance. Yeah. So one has to have this sense of, you know, a clear, at least a conceptual understanding. Oh, wait, it could be this. And if, if, it, if you continue in this state, you can only bring around the same state in the future. It's not going to get better of itself. Therefore, there's a sense of urgency. And yet, that urgency is tempered. Uh, it's not a panic. It's not a thrashing around. It's not a blind military assault. It's an urgency to be sensitive, careful, uh, respectful, uh, relate effectively, skillfully, nobly to the condition. Clearly put aside what one can put aside that's distracting clearly attend to the positive signs. This can only give rise to a more skillful state whereby other openings will become available. They don't all come in at once, but if you're starting to track progressively where the bright begins, it can only lead on to further brightening.
So this is kind of modest keyhole. One gets through, and then the door begins to open through dwelling in it, lingering it. And this is the skills of meditation. It's not an obsession. It's not a blind system. It's a judicious inquiry and balancing of composed attention into the wholesome. Amen.